brought your Bible this morning. Praise the Lord. I got some scriptures I want to go over. I thought because of the, um, the holiday season coming up, uh, which is what? Okay, I just want to see if you're listening. Praise the Lord. Uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, I want to share some things this morning, some scriptures that God laid on my heart about Thanksgiving. Uh, not the holiday. Not, we're not going to talk about uh, turkeys and, well, you know. We're not going to talk about, uh, but what I'm looking in the, in the scriptures, we're looking and going through the scriptures, God has shown me um, how important it is to come into his presence, number one. Now, I've been teaching for about two years because I felt the season, uh, felt the shift in the season where God's uh, presence needs to be recognized more in the church. Uh, we go to church and we sit, we do our duty, and basically we walk out. But the fact is, is what God is looking for, he's looking for an encounter, a purpose-filled encounter. And we, the only way you can get that is through the presence of God, recognizing His presence. Now, with that said, I give you all this, I gave you all the scriptures. I'm not preaching on that this morning, but the fact is, is, is there's a protocol, so to speak. And I don't like to use that word until I come up with a better one. But there's a protocol. There's a way we're supposed to enter in that God is able to receive, and again expand our capacity. And I want to talk about that this morning, uh, but. I want to, so the title of my message this morning is Power in the Voice of Thanksgiving or Giving God Thanks. You, uh, way. I, I took, what I did, I sat down and I went over my computer and I, I sat down and I took the word Thanksgiving, uh, um, giving thanks, uh, uh, praise, rejoicing, and took all those things that we you normally equate to giving God praise, right? And I come up with over 540 through the King James Bible, of, of instances where God tells us to do this and that we're supposed to uh, give him praise and honor. So uh, I, I think it's significant. I think it's a significant subject to teach on. Uh, but what I want to give you this morning, I want to give you the scripture, the revelation of it, but there's a power behind it. There's something that God does when we come in heartfelt. I'm not talking about just going through religious motions. I'm talking about heartfelt praise. There's something that God does on the inside of us. And uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. Sometimes it's a battery recharge. Anybody here run on batteries? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hope they're rechargeable, not disposable. But anyway, sing, we don't know single-use batteries here. We want to, okay, praise the Lord. Uh, but uh, uh, and I, so I want to go over the scriptures. What I like to do is if I get a scripture every once in a while, I like to do what I call a word study. I take each word and I break it down into the, the, the original original language, not the translation. What you have in the Bible is an English translation. Okay? Uh, you know, I have English translations, uh, and I have one Bible. When I, used, when I went to, to, to Guatemala, I, I take a Bible, and down half is Spanish Bible, and the other half is English Bible. I don't read Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. But I would ask uh, Fernando, my translator, I said, can you tell me that this scripture says the same thing in this one? Because I'm I'm ministering to a Spanish audience. So I, want, I know how I want to say things, but is it going to match what they understand? And, uh, and so I used, to, I used to bring it for that purpose, and, and then he would uh, say, well, instead of saying this, say it this way, and so on and so forth, and he'd help me get through. But anyway, uh, but there's a, the, there's a language that we come into uh, uh, that we, uh, there's a posture uh, uh, that we come into, and all these ways of expressing thanksgiving. So I want to, I want to go over that this morning and, and, and run another thing. So if you turn in your Bible, I'm going to do, the first scripture I'm going to go to, one of my favorites, okay, when it comes to this subject, I don't think there's a more powerful scripture 
when it comes to talking about thanksgiving, in Psalms 100, verses 1 through 5, it's a short, it's a whole psalm, but Psalms 100 says this, and basically it starts out as an introduction. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. What more would be perfect if you're talking about giving thanks or thanksgiving or rejoicing or praising the Lord? It says, it says this, it, says, it starts out, it says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence. Did I just say we have presence here? Okay, so God will show up where two or three are gathered in his name. His presence will be here, correct? Okay, he says, come before his presence with singing. Mm, okay, singing is in there. Know that the Lord is, know that, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, not we, are, not we ourselves. We are the people of, of, and sheep of his pasture. Verse 4 says this. This, this is interesting. Enter his, into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Amen. Amen. Let me go over a couple different things. First of all, let's go back to the Hebrew, because it's the Old Testament's Hebrew. The word praise, now, this is going to sound strange, but you can look it up yourself, okay? But the word praise in the Hebrew uh, is... uh, um, uh, Tehillah, if I'm saying it right. I have to stop because I have a brother-in-law who's Israeli, and he always makes fun of my Hebrew. And the next word I give you, he really makes fun of. But anyway, I'm going to say it just the way I say it, and he can just figure it out. But praise the Lord. But anyway, it says uh, Tehillah. In Hebrew, it means thanksgiving. You got that? So the word praise in Hebrew means thanksgiving. Okay? Hang in there. The word thanksgiving, any guesses? <laughs> Means the word praise. Well, I kind of shared it. Let me give you the whole, the whole meeting. The, the thanksgiving, the, the word uh, uh, thanksgiving, be giving thanks, but it's the same thing. It's tada. That's another one my brother in law makes fun of because I, I, I will be Israel and everything. You, you, everybody say tada. You know, I would say tada. They say, they say tada. And he says, why do you say ta-da? I says, because that's how you say it. No, no, he says, he says you sound like you're angry. <laughs> not angry, maybe frustrated because with his language. <laughs> so, but ta-da, and ta-da means, in Hebrew, it means an extension of the hand to give praise. So basically, it's an extension of the hand. So, so when you see the word uh, uh, thanksgiving in the Bible, it is ta-da, or to give thanks means to da, means to extend their hands. Now we can extend a hand this way, like to shake somebody's hand, or to extend their hands this way, but that's what it means. So when God says, be thankful unto me, he's saying, praise me with extended hands. Come into my presence with thanksgiving. Okay, we're coming to his presence with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. How many people have trouble raising their hands in church? Well, it's a religious spirit. Cast it off and go on. God, God said it's, it's real. Amen. He said this is what, he's, this is what he's, he's looking for. Now, a couple of things in this scripture that stand out. I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving in his courts with praise. goes on to say, be thankful unto him. Bless his name. So that's what we're supposed to be doing. Okay, for the Lord is good, his mercy is, ever, uh, is everlasting. Does the Lord know that? Are we telling him something he doesn't know? 
No, we're acknowledging what he has already presented to us. And we're acknowledging it, yes, I'm going to own it. If I acknowledge it, I'm going to own it. So if I say, Lord, your mercy endureth forever, guess what I'm going to have? I'm going to own that. I'm going to have mercy because he's expanding my capacity in that thanksgiving and praise. Are we here so far? Okay. So he goes on. And of course, he says, he says uh, and his truth endures for all generations. This is something we're supposed to be teaching our children. Amen? Praise the Lord. We have chapel time in Lighthouse Christian Academy. This is what we teach our kids. It's okay to raise your hands. This is, this is ta-da. <laughs> this is ta-da. This is ta-da. This is good. This is Thanksgiving. I'm going I'm to come to the Lord with ta-da. I'm going to lift my hands. I like what the first example in the Bible, I didn't write it in my notes, but the first example in the Bible is in Genesis when Abraham, do you remember Abraham took 318 of his servants and he conquered the armies that came against Sodom and Gomorrah because his, his nephew was in, the, in that uh, place. So for his nephew's sake, he went and conquered those armies, got back all the things they stole, and gave it to the king of Sodom. And the king of Sodom says, he says, I want to give you a reward. I'm going to make you rich. And he says, no, you won't. I won't take anything from you. He said, because you will say with your mouth, he said, you will say that, uh, that you have made Abraham rich. And then what he did then, he said, no, he says, only one makes me rich is the Lord. He raised his hands. He tadahed the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've made me wealthy, not him. And he went on. That's the first example we see of extended hands. Praise the Lord. Cool, isn't it? I thought, I thought it was good. Oh, I like it. Praise the Lord. Anyway, let me get back to the gates and, and, and the courts. I'll enter his gates. What does that mean? Whenever you see the word gates, pay attention. Because gates aren't just the swinging thing that we go through. But gates are basically power and authority. In other words, they have the ability, if we go back to old time, city walls, uh, there, there were gates. The gates had the ability to let people in and to keep people out. Certain people allowed in, certain people allowed out. So what they represent, spiritually speaking, they represent power and authority. Are you here? Okay, you got that? So basically, God has given us the power and dominion through Christ to come in because Jesus said, if you meet, gather in my name, Two or three gather in my name, I'll be there. Well, so what happens? He gave us the permission by authority to gather under his name, for the gates are open. We walk in, now we come into what's the courts. Okay? That's not just walking through the door and coming to the sanctuary of this church. No, it's, it's actually something happens spiritually within us that we wind up in the courts. In the courts, we are directly before the Lord and we're directly in his presence. We got the, we've got his ear. We can communicate with him. We can ask him questions. You can murmur and complain if you want to, but once you're in there, I don't, find, I don't see any problems. <laughs> it's, all, it's all great. <laughs> because now, coming out of the presence of the Lord, with that glory still upon us, that anointing still upon us, what problem can stand against us? What problem could, could, could cause discouragement? This is what he's saying. Come into my presence. I've given you the authority through Christ to come into my presence. He says, ta me, praise me. Give me praise. Be thankful for what I have done so far. Amen? Come in. You're a better person than just one breathing. You're a new creation never before existed. Act like one. 
come in like a new creation. I'm new. I'm, I'm, I'm a new. And I've been accepted. Listen, this is, the, this is the highest honor for any human being on the planet. I've been accepted in the presence of the almighty God. I'm telling you, you'll never come to church the same way again. Because this is the opportunity. Remember Paul said, where two or three are gathered in my name, your spirit is in, in the midst of those that are gathered, Jesus said. Then Paul said, don't forsake that assembly. Don't forsake that coming together. When he said that was under a time of persecution, you could actually be killed for going to church. Praise the Lord. And they would go anyway because it was that important to come into the presence because to be with other believers was now a corporate anointing that came into the presence of God that increased our capacity for his grace, increased our capacity for his understanding, increased our capacity. Cool, huh? I thought it was. I thought it was very cool. Isaiah 60, chapter 18. I'm going to rattle off some more scriptures. You can jot them down. Uh, but Isaiah 60, chapter verse 18, it says, Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasted nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your wall salvation and your gates praise. Hallelujah. Now, of course, he's, Isaiah is prophesying to Israel, but we know that through, the, through, through, the, uh, through theology that we have the same benefits. This was just spoken for Israel, but he's talking the same benefits. So let me ask you this. How would you translate that, or how would you describe that for your situation? My walls are salvation, and my gates are praise. Walls are put up for protection. I have a hedge built around me that God has placed around me, and it's called his salvation. I have his salvation. And my gates, what would be my gates? Well, a lot of times it's your brain, your mind. How many know that our problem starts here? Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> right between our ears. It's the stuff we think about, it's the stuff we imagine over there. And when we, when we conquer this battle, these become the gates. This is what we let into our life, what we close out of, out of our life. I'm not talking about open, be open-minded, closed-minded. I'm talking about the things that you filter. Amen? So you see things bad happening all around us. Does that mean things are bad? Because here's what I hear a lot, a lot. And I grew up in this, and I grew up in the church listening to this about the end times in the last days. And what it, what, it, what it came down to is some guy standing up in front of the church telling you we're in the last days. I heard this back in the 1970s. They're in the last days, and, and, and Jesus is coming back soon. Okay? And what, he, what the evangelist usually does is use that for a scare tactic. It's scared to alter, so you give your heart to the Lord. It worked. So I guess the end result was pretty good. But the fact is, what it, what it did, it's got our mind focused on more what the devil is doing, but it's kind of canceled out what God's doing. In other words, we have God and we have the devil, and the devil is just the other, uh, just an evil portion of God. No, he's not. He's not even in the same category. He was a fallen angel. He's not in the same category. But yet, what captures our attention today is everything that the devil's doing, and, and we, we, because our that's our gates are open to that. Sometimes we're not seeing what God is doing. And then we even then we'll create a theology to make up for our bad doctrine, or create a, a bad doctrine to to to, to uh, overtake or overcome our lazy faith, and say, well, God doesn't move in miracles today. Yeah, he don't do that today. Since when? Can you show me a scripture? 
Because as far as I'm concerned, I believe everything in this book, from, from the table of contents to the maps. So where are you getting your information from? Because nothing in here says passed away. <laughs> where are you getting your information from? Amen? Mm, occupy until I come. Amen? What was that parable that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 25? You have the virgins. That's only described to the church. Half the church is sleeping. And all the church is sleeping. But when the church wakes up, only half of them are prepared for the next. Maybe because they drain their oil, focusing on what the world is doing, instead of looking at what God can do or wants to do. But whatever reason. God, Psalms 115.3. He is God. He does what he pleases. Doesn't need any of us. Doesn't need any of this. But the fact is, what he's looking for, he's looking for people to work through. It's what he pleases to work through man. And this is what he's always done. Matter of fact, we were discussing it in the war room uh, that the first Adam in 1 Corinthians talks about the first Adam, and it says Jesus is a la- referring to Jesus as the last Adam. In other words, for the first Adam, sin came into the world, and the last Adam, we have been sin was taken out of the out of the situation and being Jesus. It doesn't say the second Adam. Why? Because there's not a third. But yet, if you listen to, to end time theology, it's almost like we've made a third Adam, which is called Antichrist. He's not going to do anything except, you know, set the stage by the third temple being built and, and, and come in. But the thing is, it isn't about how to die for Jesus. It's how we're supposed to live. Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. But I came to give you life and life more abundant. I like the abundant life. How about you? You can sit there with the poor me's all you want if you want to, you know. But the fact is, I like the abundant life. That's not just abundance of things. Maybe things are attached to it. We see where God made Abraham prosperous. Yeah, there was things attached to it, but that wasn't, that wasn't the, the, the bone issue of, of uh, Abraham. Abraham was willing to give anything to the Lord including the son. And in that, he made a way, paved the way, because when he went to sacrifice Isaac the way God said, it was on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah was in, was in Salem, which was called today Jerusalem, and it was the same place that Jesus was going to be crucified. And he stopped them because they were in covenant together. He says, you were willing to give your son. He said, now I will give mine for the redemption of the world. Yeah, Abraham was blessed. He was prosperous, but it wasn't the prosperity got a hold of him. It was the presence of God that he was desired more than anything else. Amen. So yes, there is prosperity involved, but what are we looking for? When we come into the presence of God, my, I'm suggesting to you this morning that when we do that, we change things. Jesus said this, Mark chapter 16, verse 18. He said, I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and what won't come against it? The gates, the authorities, the powers, the gate will not come against my church. Why? Because the church has a stronger gate than what the devil has, has a stronger authority and a stronger power that's given to us by Christ Jesus. I found out no matter where I traveled, Africa, uh, Central America, South America, no matter where I went, what continent, Europe, England, I mean Ireland, no matter where I was, this, the simplest thing was really deliverance. It wasn't, what churches make a big issue out of didn't seem to be a big issue. 
We let the authority of Christ come zip. There's a lesser authority that's tormenting the person. We have a desire to see the person untormented. Use the name of Jesus and he's gone. It's happened here several times. We don't, we don't blow trumpets. We don't make a big dance around it. It's just something that we do. It's something that's, that's done. A person is set free and we're happy. Then we try to bring them in and restore them and, and, and fill them with something other than what the devil's ideas are. Praise the Lord. Okay. Amen. I got a, I got a scripture I want to read in jo Jonah chapter 2. Everybody know Jonah? Uh-huh. Okay. Jonah chapter 2, verse 7 says this. Jonah's, Jonah's praying. This is, it's called in your Bible as Jonah's prayer. I'm going to start with verse 7. When my soul was faint within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into the holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols, that's lying vanities or false gods in, in the Hebrew, worthless idols forsake their own mercy. That deserves repeating. Jonah said this, those that regard, he didn't even say worship, he said regard. Those that regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Capital N, that's mercy of God. Capital M, amen. But I will sacrifice to you, this, listen to this, now, now, this is Jonah. I will sacrifice to you, talking to the Lord, with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pray what I have vowed, salvation is of the Lord. Now here's the kicker. When he said that, he was in the belly of the fish. How low can you go when you're in the belly of the fish? Say, well, God was delivering him. Was he or was God giving him an opportunity to repent and be delivered? Huh. Huh. He had disobeyed God, didn't he? Praise the Lord. Because what it says in Acts, it says repent. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore be converted that your sins will be blotted out. And the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What was God looking for in Jonah? Repentance. So I look at it this way. Either Jonah can be spit up, vomited out, or go the other direction. And be nothing but whale dung at the bottom of the ocean, or big fish dung. I don't care what you want to call it. Because I've been in the ocean. I, I scoop, my wife and I scuba dive. And I tell you, I've seen some groupers that could swallow you whole. So I don't know. That was, I guess that was Jacques Cousteau's, because the Bible says fish and whale. Whatever. Actually, what, what I, another Side note, one other thing I, I, I saw, they said uh, in the Mediterranean where he would have been. See, if well, Jonah wasn't going just a short distance. He was loading a boat to Tarsus. So he left from Tel Aviv, so to say, okay, Yafu, that, that port there, still there today. He left, took a boat from there and was going the opposite direction west. To go where God wanted him to go, he had to go north. Just a short distance, but he went a longer distance away from what God wanted him to do. Sometimes we travel longer than we need to. But that, what Tarsus is at, the, is at the Straits of Gibraltar, south of Spain. It's in Spain. So he said in Spain, and God wanted him to go, hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so I look at it this way. Okay, Jonah, what are you going to do? You're inside the fish. You're still alive, but, oh, I started to tell you about the fin whales. In that Mediterranean, there are fin whales, and fin whales have two stomachs. The only, only whale in, 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 that have two stomachs. So you could be swallowed into one, 
Now it's a decision, are you going to be put into the other one where the digestive tract is? <laughs> where it starts breaking down and Jonah could be lunch or he could be expelled, one or the other. It's your choice, Jonah. So when he said this, when he's writing this, what he's done is he said, my soul was faint within me. I guess it would be. In other words, we would say it this way. I'm scared right down to my argyle socks. <laughs> this is petrified. I don't like being here. I know why I'm here, but I don't like being here. But he cries out, he says, for mercy, those that serve worthless idols. Who, what was a worthless idol? This guy was a Jew. What worthless idol was he? He looked at his own ideas, his own plan, going away from God as worthless idols. And I forsake my own mercy because of these things. I went the wrong direction when God told me, and I forsook my own mercy. So what does he do? With the voice of thanksgiving, the power of God came upon him and upon that fish. And next thing he knows, he's vomited up on the beach and he's headed, he's headed for Nineveh. Nineveh is Mosul, Iraq today. That's if you want to know where it's at. Nineveh. Because what happens is God knew if I could get my prophet from here out of the fish into over here, if he can preach the, that that country will repent and they'll, and they'll, they'll They'll be redeemed. They'll either their wicked ways. And you know, he still had an attitude. But he knew in the belly of that fish, he knew this much. He says, he said, this, he said well, I regard worthless idols. He said, I forsake my own mercy. In other words, I can't hang on to what I like over here, which is worthless, and expect God to give me mercy. The Bible says his mercies are renewed every morning. Why? He's hoping you change your mind. Praise the Lord. Thanksgiving has a tendency to shift. The power of thanksgiving shifts our focus from our needs to his provisions. Back to Psalms 100 again. I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with tada, tehillah. I've come in, in his presence like this, Lord. Now you might be asking for forgiveness or you might be acknowledging I'm through the gates. You've given me the power and authority that Christ has. I can now walk into your presence. Amen? This was, a, this was an honor that only a few priests had in the Old Testament. And they had, to, they had to be sanctified by the blood. Remember the blood of the red heifer? Had to be put onto the, the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe of their, of their feet. Now they are sanctified and purified enough to come into the presence of the Lord. This is an open invitation for everybody to come into the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hmm. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Thank you for all the enthusiasm this morning. Praise the Lord. Did you notice one thing? I'm going to share something with you. Did you notice one thing? I'll throw a couple of scriptures at you. Okay. Uh, or to you. Praise the Lord. Anyway, Psalms 35, 27 says, Let them shout for joy, be glad, who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, who, is who, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Psalms 35, 27. Psalms 47, verse 1. You heard me say this one a lot, at least the, the part of that verse. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So we exalt him, we praise him, we shout to him. Do you see anything quiet in that? Do you see anything that resembles stand and stare like a goofball? No. Nothing. 
Do you see right there where it's supposed to be loud and boisterous? Yes, I'm proud I'm saved by God. I love the Lord. I'm going to come in and tell everybody I love Jesus. I'm going to lift my hands and give him praise and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving because I'm so thankful because I was headed on a wrong cliff. Praise the Lord. I'm just giving you scripture here. You can look it up for yourself. Nothing's supposed to be quiet. But there's something about the expression of joy that increases our capacity and experience of what God is doing. Amen. It does. When we come in with joy, when we do this, we all of a sudden now are aware of things. How many ever said, well, I don't seem to hear God talk anything. He don't talk to me. Really? He's talking all the time. Thank God this world is still spinning, isn't it? <clears throat> the oceans are still held back by perpetual decree. Always, we all be growing gills right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. How many know it's not that God isn't speaking, it's that we don't understand the language. How many has ever felt all of a sudden they come at maybe a church service, maybe something, all of a sudden they just feel differently? I don't know why they just feel differently. Now, you can't really, you didn't really hear nothing as far as a verbal language, but there's just, just something different. That's God speaking. How many ever laid hands on you, prayed for you, all of a sudden you felt something come over you? That's God speaking. He's not restricted to the English language, Spanish language, or any other language. He's not restricted to man's language just to speak words. But he comes in with these impressions. We get all excited when that happens. All of a sudden, you'll be in a turmoil situation. All of a sudden, you'll reach out and pray, and a peace will come upon you. That's God speaking. Amen? That's God speaking. What's he trying to get you to do? Rise up. Amen? When we see or hear rise up, we think rise up and fight. Rise up and get a battle. No, rise up and acknowledge him. Amen. A lot of times, sometimes it is that. He's also given us the keys to the kingdom. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church. And he also said in the next verse, he said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Amen. So we get the binding and the loosening thing down. But we forget about the presence sometimes of coming to God and acknowledging him through thanksgiving. When we're giving thanks, that, that, that gratefulness to the Lord ignites us Amen. and ignites him in our, in, our, in our path. And we can just be thankful. Praise the Lord. Our church was so used to that. I was listening to this a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago now. Uh, I listened to our prayer words. Now, leadership, anybody come here and pray, pray whatever you want. Okay, but leadership I'm, I'm training, I'm working with. Uh, to, to pray certain needs. And uh, I got from the Lord uh, a while back that we need to start declaring. Do you know Jesus never prayed for one person to be healed? <laughs> it gets quiet when he say that. He didn't pray. He didn't say, oh, Father, please uh, uh, heal this blindness. What did he do? He declared. He spoke the word and declared. And I got a sense in, when I read the scriptures that God wanted us to do the same thing. So I started telling my leadership, I said, start declaring it toughest thing they had to do is start their prayer out with a declaration because they were in thanksgiving mode. <laughs> I had to jog them loose a little bit. To, no, 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 no. Back over. Declare. What do you want to happen? Okay, we, we, have, we have about four different categories and there's all kinds of needs under those categories. And so I dealt it out between the leadership. I said, okay, this is your category. You're praying for healing. You're praying for everyone that needs healing. So how do you, how do you decree that now and declare it? Well, we thank you, Father, for healing. No, 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 no. That's a Thanksgiving prayer. That's okay, but this is what we're talking about. Because what Jesus wants us to do, he wants us to declare what has already been spoken by him. 
by his word, in his name. He has given us the authority. That's the authority that brings us in through the gates. Amen. Now we're in the courts. So now we declare it. So in the presence of God, in his courts, we're not saying, oh, Lord, and making our, decree, making our requests. In this instance, for praying to somebody else, we're declaring, because he's already said they're healed. He's already paid the price for healing. He's not going back to the whipping post. He's not going back to the cross. He's already paid that price. So now we declare and stand on what God has already said in his presence. Thank you, Lord. We're in the presence with thanksgiving. Okay, now we're there. Now let's change our prayer. Say, in the name of Jesus, in the authority you've given us, we release and decree healing over that person in Jesus' name. All that becomes different. And the boldness and the strength comes because we're standing in the presence and the father gets up from the room and says, that's it. You tell him, son, daughter, that's it. Say it out loud. Take it to the earth. Take it into the highways and byways and proclaim that people are healed. Proclaim the needs met. Oh, that's a whole lot different. Jesus would go into a secret place and he'd pray, Father. You know, three times he prayed that the crucifixion cup would be taken from him. Three times. Because nevertheless, Regardless of what I want, nevertheless, your will be done. That was a prayer. But when Jesus walked up to the blind person, or, or how about the, the Roman centurion? That's the one that really fascinates me. That and, and, and the Syrophoenician woman. Because they had no entitlement. They had no, they had, what grounds are they asking for anything from the Lord? The worst of the worst. Matter of fact, the centurion says, you're not even worthy. To, I'm not, my house is not worthy to have you. I can't even have you for company because it's not worthy. Why? Because all kinds of depravity was going on in that house. But I want you to heal my servant. He said, all you have to do is speak the word. And Jesus said, with great faith. Well, great faith. Just speak the word. Jesus didn't pray. Here's what he said. Go home. Your servant's healed. And the guy went back home. And sure enough, his servant was healed by the time he got there. The Syrophoenician woman. Why should I take the bread, Jesus said, off the table and give it to the dogs? which were the Gentiles, speaking in a Jewish crowd. Hmm, that, says, that makes a lot of preachers nervous. But he said it. The woman said, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. He says, go home, your daughter's heal. Says, great faith. Nothing will discourage great faith. Nothing will interfere in great faith. Let me go back to the Thanksgiving. So we're coming to Thanksgiving, not just going through motions or calisthenics. Amen. Amen. We're coming into the presence of God. Now we can see it in the mind's eye. We can see we are coming into God's presence. All glory reset. If I have faith to come into his presence, I have faith to go out of there changed. Amen. So I obey the protocol. I come into his presence with singing because that's what the Lord wants. That's what, well, not, maybe not what I feel like doing, but that's what he wants. We give him, we're about giving him what he wants. Amen. We see what we've been getting when we get what man wants and not what God wants. We want God to bless our situation. But we don't want to do spit about, his, about what he's called us to do, give us a purpose. That's another message I a couple weeks ago. Amen. Amen. Be about the father's business first. And you're about the father's business, he'll take care of your business. I cannot tell you how many times I've had sickness or a physical attack in my body. And I'm praying for other people to get healed. I need healing myself. And I can't tell you how many times I've laid hands on somebody, anointed them with oil, and they got a miracle. Bingo, oh, pastor, I'm healed. 
And I think in the back of my mind, sure, where's mine? And God says, have you felt lately? I'm healed. He said, if I can get it through you, I'll get it to you. But if I can't get it through you, I'm not going to get it to you. I never forgot that word. It was 20 years ago. I never forgot it. Praise the Lord. Amen. I was in West Africa one time. I, was, uh, I don't know. I didn't drink the water. I didn't eat the food. But boy, it must have something been on a plane or whatever. I did not feel good at all. I said, I said to Bill, I said, let's, I, uh, he, says, he says, you all right? He says, you're white. I says, I'm really white compared to everybody here. <laughs> he said, no, you don't. I said, just pray for me. When I get to the meeting, I'll be fine. I said, just let me, help, just let me pray for somebody else's healing. And sure enough, I was there five weeks, and we carried out the mission that God had us for to, to do. Amen. Never, never skipped a meeting, never skipped a, never skipped a lick. We just kept right on going. The time before that was like four weeks, but amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Why? Learn to get in his presence. Amen. You can always tell what the enemy fears about your life by recognizing his attacks. The enemy will always attack your life on what you're, what you're, what you're strong, what he fears is the biggest threat. Amen? The enemy can't change who you are. He can only alter the confidence that you have on who you are. Praise the Lord. Can you, one more scripture? i got eight minutes. One more scripture? i got to give you this one. This is, this is kind of a standard. Jeremiah 20, uh, 33, 11. I want to kind of end with this. Jeremiah 33, 11 says, The voice of joy the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And of those who will bring a sacrifice of praise to the house of the Lord, for, listen to this, for I will cause the captives of the land to return as it at the first, says the Lord. Let me go. Voice of joy. The voice of gladness. There's no depression in there. The voice of the bridegroom. That's listening to the Lord. The voice of the bride. That's us. Amen. The voice of those who will say, everybody else. The voice of those who say, praise the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever. And those who bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. For I will cause the captives of the lamb uh, uh, to, to uh, be at first. In other words, here's, here's what I titled in my notes. It's a voice of divine reversal. As we begin to praise God and to thank him, everything in your life that needs to be reversed and backed down will begin to start happening. This is what Jeremiah was saying. There's a reversal coming. When he wrote this and prophesied this, it wasn't happening. They were in bondage to, Israel's in bondage to Babylon. But no, we declare and we decree. We shout unto the Lord with gladness, with the voice of praise. Where's the voice of the bride? That's the church, the voice of the bride. Like I said, it's not quiet. The voice of the bride. Divine reversal. We speak divine reversal this morning in the name of Jesus for everything the thief has taken away and stolen in Jesus' name. We declare divine reversal right now in the name of Jesus according to the word of God. I feel better already. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a scripture I gave you. This is, I'm going to teach you three verses of scripture. Here it is right here. This is, this is, if you can do this, 
God will straighten out your brain. He will fix your body. Okay, if you don't take anything away, take, take this scripture away and memorize this scripture. It's short. Can we do this? It's just three verses, but they're short verses. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Remember, memorize this. Here we go. This is the key to our well-being. I put in my notes. Key to our well-being. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. And me. One more time. Rejoice always. Say, say it with me. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ for you. For me. For me. Now save me. Me, me, me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Always remember this. Availability will stand out over ability any day of the week. God's not so much interested in your ability, but he's looking for your availability. Because he can change you. God can give you the ability. Praise the Lord. Did we learn anything this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to, let, me, let me give you one. I got four minutes. Let me give you this one last thing. I, got, I prepared more than I can preach this morning, but how about last thing? How many has ever thought, how many has ever read in Genesis chapter 3, uh, uh, Eve in the garden talking to the serpent in the, in the apple? Do you know, I'll give you a little ex, exposure truth here about the enemy. That was never about eating the wrong tree. Amen. Never about it. Satan could have cared less what tree she ate. What was it about, what the whole thing was about, the first temptation was not about forbidden fruit, but the question of what God said. He doesn't give a flip about what you, what you eat. But when God says, do not touch, now the argument comes up. Genesis 5, verses, verse 2, it says, And a woman said to the serpent, We may eat of, of, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat or, nor touch it, or you, you shall die. She added that part. He never said they would die. She added that part. Then the serpent says to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows in the day that you will eat of it, your eyes will be opened up and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. He tempted her. In other words, he contradicted the word of God, got her off the word of God, and then he said, you're going to be like God. The devil did not lie. He told the truth, but they were already like God. He didn't lie. See, we think, well, the devil's a liar, a big fat liar. Not always. He's a deceiver. And he'll deceive with the truth. When he got Jesus in the wilderness, he was talking truth. He wasn't talking lie. But he was taking, lie out of, taking truth out of context. And trying to get Jesus to doubt his own call. That's all the devil's trying to do. He's trying to get you to doubt who you are. He's trying to get you to doubt about your abilities. And what happens, he'll tempt you, lead you into sin. You get sin, then you feel bad because you figure, you figure out, out of the presence of God. And you let God down. What happens is you fall into sin and temptation. That's, just, that's one thing. You get you going back for forgiveness. When that sin becomes a lifestyle, now it becomes a demonic oppression. That needs to be broken over and over and over again. Sure, you feel bad about it over and over and over again, but if you don't do anything to correct it. But what, always understand the temptation of the devil is not about getting you to do wrong. He's 
Your temptation of the devil is to get you to doubt God. Yeah. Because even if you do wrong, you believe God, you can be fixed. <laughs> but as long as the Satan can keep you arguing with God, you'll never be fixed. Praise the Lord. Well, this is pretty good preaching. Amen. I like this. Amen. Glory. And I did that with one minute to spare. Praise the Lord. What will we do for another 60 seconds? I know. Let's stand on our feet and give God ta-da. <laughs> Very good, Rose. Ta-da. Amen. Come on. We praise him. We thank you, Father God, right now in the name of Jesus. We give you praise. Oh, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We're not ashamed to come into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Some people might call you a holy roller. I better be a holy roller than a flat nobody. Did I do that? Everything your hands touch prospers. Okay. Is it working? Is it working? No? Is that right? I'm messing with you. Praise the Lord. You laugh. I got a brand new mic. What happened was the government switches frequencies. They sell off frequencies. Our wireless mics are all on frequency, which causes us to buy different mics. We've got about, what, six of them back there. To, otherwise, they start crackling and start getting given interference. You, on the, if you're in the service on your cell phone and you're looking at your Bible, not Facebook, but your Bible, it actually interferes with our microphones. So what we had to do with it. So what happens is because we get, and, and they say Florida is one of the worst places for this to happen. So we had to get an expensive mic. Uh, ver, more, and the, well, sorry, the price keeps going up every time because you know, they sell at the frequency. You have to get a frequency and nobody's using it. So we have wireless mics anyway, all the technical stuff. But praise the Lord. Let's get back to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. If you got some, take what we learned this morning. We exposed some of the lies of the devil. But what I wanted to do this morning is focus on the truths of the Father. And he really does embrace us with love. Uh, listen, you could never, I could never live in a million years perfect in the sight of God. So stop tripping over the faults of people and what they are, what they are not. And start focusing on what God's potential and what they're called to be. And you'll do a whole lot better. Amen? You'll do a whole lot better. And stop being so judgmental. Because... The more judgmental we become, the more stupid we look in the eyes of God. Good God could say, there ain't nobody pure <laughs> down there without blood of Christ. So we, we acknowledge in his presence, we keep acknowledging, yes, we need you all, all the time. All the time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, how many got something out of the word? I am really out of time. Praise the Lord. Amen. Father, I thank you for this group of enthusiastic people this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> I thank you, Lord, as you've put us in this place. I said it before. God has us in Key West for a very specific purpose. This is, he, he, God's got this town. There's something that God wants to do in this town. We pray and we submit ourselves to you, Lord. Help us in this endeavor. And we give you the praise and the glory for all in Jesus' name. And we thank you. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Amen.